let's try this again. Hey, and welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden, with me is my co-host and my husband, Barry. Hey! No last name needed. I get, uh, wow, I'm like Beyonce (laughs) or Oprah. Something like that. Yeah, cool. Um... So it's the week of Christmas. It is. Which means the year is winding down. Yes. Which means we will be on hiatus next week, we I'm sure. We will. take a break next week. Yeah. But actually where I where I was going with this ah. was uh, uh, it's time to take stock in what we read this past year. Oh, is it that time? It is that time. Well, hang on. First, though, it's time to have a bone to pick. Okay. Because I have a bone to pick with you. Oh. Because you cheated on me. You were unfaithful. Which time? Oh, wow, there was more than one time? You were unfaithful to me. You appeared on another podcast. I did appear on another podcast. I was hoping That's you would That's so that. uncool. Well, <laughs> since you told me about it, I don't know why you were hoping that. Scholastic just launched our first official podcast called Scholastic Reads. Um, my my colleague Megan is, is running it, and our, our my other colleague Suzanne is the voice of it, uh, and Suzanne listens to this podcast. So shout out to Suzanne. Hi, um, Suzanne. She's doing a fantastic job with it. But you're right. We um, the other day we had an employee book fair at work. Everyone knows this classic book fairs. And um, while in there, I was asked about the purchases that I made, what I was buying, who I was buying for, and why. And I talked a little bit about some of the things that I bought at the book fair. So it was really fun. And, and you're right, I did. I, I broke whatever contract I signed with you. Yeah. I, th- I, think I have during, an exclusive on your podcast appearance. I mean, I'm pretty sure I, I vaguely remember that during our wedding vows, I said something about I will not appear on any future podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got video. So I so apologize for that. I'll be speaking to your people. <laughs> so we will put a link in the show notes to the to the very fine and very new Scholastic Reads podcast. Yeah, there's actually a Welcome lot. to the Club Scholastic. <laughs> Took you long enough. Well, it has been funny because... Uh, as we've been putting it together over the past few months, people are asking me questions about how we do it and what do we do and what stats program do we use and right. how do we publish it and yada yada. And you're like, I'm sorry, that's all proprietary information. <laughs> if you'd yeah. like Barry to come in and consult, his <laughs> fee begins at $100,000. No, but I really was like, you can call Barry. Here, here's Barry's number. <laughs> great. Oh, great. <laughs> Just what I need. Um, no, but seriously, it is a, it's a really interesting podcast. There's lots of exciting things coming up. Um, so check it out. It's called Scholastic Reads, available on iTunes. Anyway, so to go back to what I initially was talking about yes. was um, every December, I publish a blog post on my blog listing all the books that I read this year, Yeah, the previous year. Uh, it's something I started only a couple of years ago because I, I used to not keep track of the books I read. And... I have a weird book memory. Like, I'm not good at remembering movies I saw or books I you read. You really aren't. It's, You're terrible at it. Like, you do not. I don't And get even it. the things you remember having read or watched, you don't remember no. the details That's, of them. I'm always, like, the people who astonish me the most are people who can, like, watch a movie just once or twice and then remember quotes from it. For like, the rest of their lives. Yeah. yeah. I have never been one of those people. So, um... I used to, like, seriously be like, oh, did I read that book? Maybe. But, and the weird thing is, too, is, like, then when I looked back, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I loved that book. I freaking loved it, but I didn't remember that I read it. Well, that, and that's one of the things that amazed me about you when we were first dating, because... Really? Well, because, you know... So it was my astonishing good looks, my charming personality, and my bad memory. Yes. Okay. Exactly. In that order. (laughs) I just remember we were watching movies... 
and you know you would be like oh this is a great movie you've got to watch this and i'm like okay sure and you would put it in and you'd be like wait did i see this <laughs> and i'm like you just said it was great and and i'm one of those people who remembers you know lines from movies yeah. and and can you know block out a scene for you from memory yeah. and stuff like that so you know you're like oh th- this is one of my favorites you know I, I, we've got to watch it and you put it in you're like wait did i see it wait i don't remember this scene and i'm yeah. like what yeah. Did you ever watch this movie? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's me. So anyway, so that, that's a long, drawn-out way of saying um, I keep a very simple spreadsheet in my Google Docs where yeah. it, I, it's truly the most basic spreadsheet ever. I just log the title of the book and the author. And God help you if somebody ever hacks your Google Docs and know, gets that list. Right? Yeah. It's top secret data. But um, but I do make it a point to, to put a star next to the books that most affected me. For good or for bad. This is starting to feel like the movie Memento. Oh, I know. I think I saw it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually have never seen it. Well, the guy can't remember anything, right. so he has to keep leaving notes for himself. And yeah. I feel like you're like, I read this and I want to remember that I liked it That's, someday, so I put a star next to I it. I mean, you're joking, but that is literally... That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we'll link to this in show notes too, but um, I read a decent amount of books this year. I, I think we talked about early on in the, in the first couple of podcasts how... You know, when you have a new baby, there's no time to read. Right. Um, and that's kind of astonishing for us to say that. Yeah. Uh, because obviously we're big readers. But um, so I thought I would be really far behind this year. But um, but I caught up. Well, once you be- went back to work, you had your commute time exactly. to read, which yeah. sort of saved your year in yeah. terms of reading. I didn't never got that. So, um you know, my commute time is walking to the grocery store with yeah, Leia yeah. in the stroller, and I can't really read while I'm doing that because I'd get hit by a truck crossing the street. So I want to just give a quick shout-out to, I think, the the books that most affected me this year. Sure. Okay? So my favorite adult book, Dietland by Sarai Walker. Yes. I love this book. We talked about that a lot on the show. Yes. Um, I, after, I, after I read it in my e-reader, I went out and bought a couple of hard copies of it and sent it to friends. So that's, and I have literally never done that in my life. So that's how yeah. much I love that book. My favorite YA is The Accident Season by Moira Daly Foyle, I think her name is. Um, fantastic, fantastic book. Irish writer, set in Ireland. It was stunning. Um, the book that most was, was most helpful Bringing up baby, bringing up baby, <laughs> which we talked about repeatedly yeah. on this show. Yeah. So, and then um, I also wanted to give a shout out to the hardest book I read this year, which was A Little Life, um, which obviously I'm, I'm not alone in that, but I am glad that I finished it. So, okay, there. How about you? You know, I've been really disappointed with myself reading wise this year. I too keep a spreadsheet. I've been doing it since about 2007, I think. And this year, I read the fewest books since I began doing this. Uh, One reason is that early in the year, I was doing a lot of research on a book that I ended up not working on. Right. So that ate up a lot of my reading time. And then, like I said before, I don't have sort of that that, that built-in time during the day every day to read. Uh, So I feel really bad about that, that I did not read a lot this year. And, And my New Year's resolution, even though I don't care about New Year's resolutions... Nonetheless, I will make one this year, which is to read more next year. I was I, just going to say. I feel bad about that. Are you going to resolve to read more this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to. I need to. Uh, you know, I did read some great stuff that I talked about on the show. I read some things that were not so great that yeah. I talked about on the show. Uh, the toughest book I read was definitely A Prayer for the City Yeah. Uh, by Buzz Bissinger. It just took me forever because it's nonfiction. And on top of that, it was just a, a tough topic yeah. to, uh, to to read to read about um you know some real heartbreaking stuff in there but i do recommend people read it 
probably the book that I enjoyed the most was uh, Exo by Stephen Jay Gould, which is uh, the latest in a series that began with a book called Jumper that I read when I was in college, um, which didn't feel like it was going to be a series in the beginning. And then, you know, like 10 years later, he wrote a sequel and I was like, great. And then he wrote another one after that. And I was like, terrific. And, (laughs) and, and I don't know if he's going to keep going or if XO is the end. Each book feels like, Oh, this could be the end. Uh, so, so he's doing a very good job in that regard. Um, so I, I really, really enjoyed XO because, you know, I mean, I read the first book in the series 20 years ago and now I'm, you know, it's still going on. So that's cool. That's Cool. cool. Well, so speaking of things you enjoyed, you saw a little independent film this weekend, that I think you want to talk I about. I did. I like I like to support the independent cinema. I'm a big believer in that. And so this past weekend, I took the train to Connecticut so that my brother and I could support this independent movie. I, the only way we could see it was in the in Connecticut. It wasn't really playing many places. It had a very <laughs> limited release. Um, and it was called uh, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm not familiar with it. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you've probably seen it. And you just don't remember. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> so, yes, I went and saw Star Wars with my little brother, the way I've seen every Star Wars oh, movie ever. Cute. Yeah. Um, so, here's the thing. To be candid, I don't give a hoot about Star Wars. Why does Wow, watch world? your language, Morgan. <laughs> no, but, like, why does it resonate so much? You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it really... I... I think the reason it resonated with the first generation to see it, which is to say my generation, is because it was unlike anything we'd ever seen before on okay. a movie screen. It, it did things on a movie screen that nobody had done. And this was before computer effects and things like that. And so it was mind-blowing. Like now, if you go to a movie and they do something incredible on screen, you can go, wow. But there's a part of you going, eh, computer. You know, yeah. you know, oh, they, they did that in the computer. Um, at the time, it was like, how, you know, my God, like the work that must have gone into this, all the uh, miniatures and, and, you know, every time a lightsaber shows up on screen, somebody had to paint that part of the film, you know, to, to make it glow on screen and things like that. Um, wait, is that real? Yeah. Wow. That's how they made it. They would paint okay. the film. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I think that was what made it work for, for my generation. And, and then I think the reason why it still resonates now is because my generation has grown up and is like telling the generations yeah. coming behind us, no, this is cool. This is this is what you like. This is cool. Uh, you know, the same reason why when I was growing up, I liked the Beatles, even though they had broken up before I was, yeah. you know, b- before I even knew what music was. Uh, but my parents and my parents' generation listened to them and s- played them all the time and said, no, this is what good music is. So you grow up with that in your head. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you begin to have your own tastes and, and you develop your own you know, music that you enjoy, your own movies you enjoy in the case of Star Wars. But there's always this part of you that still likes that. You know, I don't listen to the Beatles on a regular basis, but when I hear a Beatles song, it I instantly go, oh, yeah, I like this. This is good. Hmm. Why did it skip me? I guess that's what I'm really wondering. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you we, we've talked before. I mean, I, I think it comes down to your parents. And, you know, I have talked before on this podcast about how the fact that they raised you without comic books is a is a, <laughs> is a black mark in their ledger. <laughs> And, you know, they will pay for it in this life or the next. Um, And, you know, it's the same thing. It it skipped you because nobody ever said to you, hey, you should see this. It's really cool. We were too busy watching Children of the Corn on repeat. There you go. Quite quite literally. There you go. There you go. Um, You know, I I think 
there when Star Wars is at its best, it is it has a mythic feel to it. And I think that there is not a lot. I think this is why superhero movies are so big now mm-hmm. because they have a mythic feel to them. Superheroes have always had a mythic feel to them. And I think that we respond to these things. This is why myths come down to us through the ages. This is yeah. why, you know, kids who were born after nine 11 can tell you who Zeus and Hercules are. Yeah. You know, these things resonate with us. They stay with us. And I could get into Joseph Campbell and the hero with a thousand faces and all that, but I won't bother. But these things, they, they mean something to us. They stick with us. And at its best, Star Wars has that mythic resonance to it. You know, the movies all begin a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is this idea of, no, this all really happened. Like, this all, I'm going to tell you a story, and it's a true story. Mm-hmm. And it's the most amazing story ever, and it all actually happened, and here it is. And, you know, there's monsters, and there's princes and princesses, and wise old men, and, and sword fights, and it's everything that that myth and legend and folklore have given to us over the years with lasers. <laughs> so there you go. It's one of those things where, like, I wish I was into it. Yeah. I like being, well, I you think, know, I like I, the Harry Potter craze. I, sure. I love the Hunger Games, et cetera. Sure. But like, I think, I think I it's, I think it's interesting because both you and your sister have said at various points before the movie came out, you know, do I have to have seen the other ones to see this one? Uh-huh. And, to me, that is a sign of how powerful Disney's marketing is, that they were able to get two people who have no interest in Star Wars and have not seen the original movies to go, maybe I should see this one. Well, it's also a sign of how powerful J.J. Abrams can be. Okay, yeah. Right? That's like, true. If you're yeah, a J.J. Yeah. fan. If you're a J.J. fan, yeah. But have you seen the Star like, Trek okay. movies? Have seen I have, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I think I saw it with you. <laughs> no, I saw I saw the Star Trek movies with my brother. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, so I had a really um, I had a good weekend. Our, our baby is sick, which is not the good. Part, it was not the good FYI. part. Not the I good part. I feel so bad for this. I remember. Turkey. I remember before we had the baby, we were at one of those uh, parenting classes, and the nurse who was teaching the class was telling us how important it is. Uh, when people come over to visit the baby, that they wash their hands. Yeah. And with, and how people who are sick just don't get to come see the baby. Yeah. You know, and she said, you know, you've got to be tough about this. She said, because if that baby gets sick, and she, I'll never forget, she said, the worst sound in the world is a coughing baby. Oh. And it is so true. Because our little, our little one coughing. is coughing. Yeah. And it is, it, it breaks my heart yeah. every single time. Yeah. And she's, she's so snuggly now yeah. and she doesn't feel well, which yep. is. So sweet, but also, again, like... It's not her. Like, she's not, not a her. snuggly baby yeah, normally. she's just go, go, go. So, anyway, so it's been an interesting few days yeah. because she hasn't felt well. Um, but while you were up in Connecticut seeing that little independent film, um, a dear friend of mine from college came over, and uh, as did my twin sister, because obviously she's... Well, not obviously. Right. Um, we have a lot of the same friends. So... Go um, figure. <laughs> so we got to hang out all day yesterday. With the baby, which was really great, but um, but my friends started to talk about her next steps in in life and career, and um, one of her issues, I guess you could call it, is that she has a lot of different avenues she could take, and I I started to realize as we were talking um, that I think one of the 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 hardest things to acknowledge as you get older and make decisions is that every decision you make closes off another decision. Yep. 
So we've talked about this a bit before, but, you know, I didn't move to L.A. and become a screenwriter. Um, and making that decision closed off certain other decisions and, and right. things like that. So anyway, so so my friend and I are having this conversation and my twin sister is sitting silently on her phone and all of a sudden she pulls up this quote and she goes, you guys, I just have to read this to you. So it's a quote from the bell jar, Sylvia Plath. Go figure. No, but listen. No, I know. I saw my life branching out before me like the green fig tree in the story. From the tip of every branch, like a fat purple fig, a wonderful future beckoned and winked. One fig was a husband and a happy home and children, and another fig was a famous poet, and another fig was a brilliant professor, and another fig was E.G., the amazing editor, and another fig was Europe and Africa and South America, and another fig was Constantine and Socrates and Attila and a pack of other lovers with queer names and offbeat professions, and another fig was an Olympic lady crew champion, and beyond and above these figs were many more figs I couldn't quite make out. I saw myself sitting in the crotch of this fig tree, starving to death, just because I couldn't make up my mind which of the figs I would choose. I wanted each and every one of them, but choosing one meant losing all the rest. And as I sat there, unable to decide, the figs began to wrinkle and go black, and one by one, they plopped to the ground at my feet. Yeah. And I've read... Get ready. This is not a joke. I've read The Bell Jar a bunch of times. Did not remember this passage. (laughs) But, wow. It, like, brought our, our conversation to a standstill, and we were both like... Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about right now. So it just sort of struck me later as I was thinking about that conversation, like how books and really good literature and poetry and even really good movies, they just get it sometimes. And it was so interesting having that experience where a friend and I were talking about something and someone else in the room had the perfect literary excerpt to define what exactly we were talking about. Right. So it was just a really neat, neat moment. Um, have you ever had something like that? I don't know if I've ever had anything so directly and perfectly on point. Yeah. But certainly I think there are a lot of times in my life where I have sort of been at a crossroads or at a fork in the road and something that I have read or some movie that I've seen occurs to me, not necessarily, again, directly on point, but just in terms of the principle of it all, just in terms of sort of the principle of the moment, just in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, something that Luke Skywalker does in Star Wars has no direct bearing to anything I do in my life, but it might help me think just right. in general terms about what I'm trying to achieve or what I'm trying to accomplish. And it's funny because as you were reading that, I was thinking, you know, there are, there are people and there are opportunities to get two figs, you know? I mean, it's been said, you know, there are no second acts in America, but there are. Oh God, there are second and third and fourth. I mean, look, I mean, you know, we can all rattle off names of, you know, usually famous people who've gotten, you know, second and third chances, but it happens to other people too. I mean, it happens to regular schlubs like you and me where, you know we think our life is going one way and it's fine. And then we get the chance to do something else entirely different and it's wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I agree that it's difficult and I, but I really sort of identified with her, you know, paralysis by analysis there yes. where she's just sitting there uh-huh. going, I got to pick the right one. And as a result, she picks nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I really identify with that because I have a tendency 
to try to predict, to, to extend the metaphor, to try to predict exact, not just how great each fig looks, but what it's going to taste like exactly <laughs> and what it's going to feel like as it goes through my digestive tract and try to pick the, the, the optimal fig yeah. as a result. And you, you can't. You just can't. No, no. Um, you know, maybe the solution is just grab the one nearest you, you know? Yeah. Huh. Or know. flip a coin. Or flip a coin, yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of coins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was really cool, and it reminded me that I should reread The Bell Jar because I haven't read it in a few years and clearly did not remember it. So you mentioned Buzz Bissinger before and the, the book that you finally re- finished reading. Yes. Um, he's most famous, as we all know, for Friday Night Lights. Yes, Friday and Night Lights. And I was thinking of Friday Night Lights the other day because you tweeted an article by a retired hockey player. Yes. NHL. Uh that was basically about the child abuse he endured as um, sort of as part of his hockey training almost. Yeah, his father used to basically beat the living crap mm-hmm. out of him. Yeah. As a, you know, and, and we're not being hyperbolic there. I mean, he would, yeah. you know, I mean, this wasn't, you know, pushing him or slapping him around. This is, you know, a grown man punching a child. Yeah. Um, and um, he, yeah, he talks about, you know, his, that was his dad's way of training him. You know, right. his dad's way of making him better was beating the living hell out of him right, constantly yeah. every day. So his name is Patrick O'Sullivan. Yes. And he wrote this long essay on the players com. So we'll link to it. But so basically I saw you tweet it and I thought, why is my husband tweeting about a hockey player? Right. What is that about? So I clicked and I was captivated by this essay. And I started thinking about how this is an essay about hockey that is not about hockey at all. Right. Yeah. Yep. And of course. I love when pieces of art can do that. Um, and again, Friday Night Lights, about football, not about it's football. It's not really about yeah. football. Everybody I would tell about the show, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, I don't care about football. And I'm right. like, it's not about football. Right. It's not like, it's not about, it, you know, it's the same thing like with Boy Toy. I'm like, it's not really right. about baseball, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, it's like with Sports Night, one of my favorite shows right. of all time, not about sports. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, so that was just a, a really great piece. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was heartbreaking. It was really powerful. Uh, you know, it was, you know, I've gone on the record on this show before about sort of my general dislike of, of personal essay and that sort of thing. But there are exceptions to everything. There are, and this yeah. this just really nailed it. I mean, yeah. this, you know, he, uh, he talked about it in a really brave way. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, and especially I think, you know, hockey in particular, professional sports in general, but really hockey in particular is a, is really about violence. And I mean, they, you know, they have players that are called goons and their job is just to hurt the other team. Like they're not, they're not on the team to, to score a goal, to score a goal yeah. or to, or to, to play well. They are there to hurt people. Wow. To to disable the other team. It's like the bludgers in Quidditch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and the wiggle worms and the zipzorps. Um so, you know, I think in particular the hockey audience can benefit from that. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but both both the fans and also the the people who are, you know, raising their kids to play That's hockey to say, and the, the parents. The parents, the coaches, you know. Yeah. Who who you know, are so used to being in this this world of violence that they might not recognize this sort of thing happening to to one of the kids who are playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to pull a Barry Liga, and are, uh, do, are we doing follow up? We are. We're doing follow up with first lines. But follow up is at the beginning of the show. No, I'm putting. I'm switching it on its head here and oh. putting it at the end. 
so as a reminder, we asked everyone, uh, this was several, a couple of months ago, yeah. we were talking about the importance of first lines and, well, really, how important is a first line? Because there, there seems to be a lot of pressure for aspiring writers from agents and from editors to have the perfect first line that will hook everyone and uh, tell a little bit of backstory, but not too much backstory. And that there's sort of all of these parameters that, that everyone feels this first line has to live up to. So we put a call out to people to ask for their favorite first lines. Right. And um, well, we, we wanted a- first lines that weren't like grab you by the throat with, you know, whiz bang, whiz bang yeah. bullets and stuff like that. First lines that grabbed you on the strength of character or on the strength of some mystery or some curiosity or something like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we've got some of those. Great. So I'm going to read a couple. Yeah, go for it. From Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. We were somewhere in Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold. That was from Kent. I love that opening love. line. That's such a great I've never line. read that book. That tells you so much just right there. I mean, and that's what I love about a really good first line that sort of just opens up the whole book for you right there. Yeah. Um, Eugene submitted a Philip Reeve quote from Mortal Engines. Yeah. It is, it was a dark, blustery afternoon in spring and the city of London was chasing a small mining town across the dried out bed of the old North Sea. Isn't that great? That's like stunning. That's great. Yeah. So I'll go ahead. Uh, you know, Sarah submitted from Anne Rice's interview with a vampire, which I think this is a great opening line. I, I thought it was great when I read the book a million years ago. I see, said the vampire thoughtfully, and slowly he walked across the room towards the window. That's great. I mean, that's just yeah. like, like, oh, yeah, there's a vampire. I mean, yeah. it's just, it just drops you right into it. Yep. It just drops you right in. Um, Julia submitted a, a, just a terrific one, I think. This is just great from, uh, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, Kesey Lehman. How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America is the title of the book. And the opening line is, Way back in the day, when Twitter was a bootleg reindeer name, David Rozier invented farting during Mass. <laughs> Maybe it's just the fallen away Catholic in me, but I really, really get a kick out of that first line. <laughs> um, so those are some really good ones. Yeah. So we, we are got still some interested in ones. hearing. We yeah, would love to have... hear. would love to hear some great ones. Do you have a, a one that uh, that you picked? Well, so I it's in here, but um, I think Sarah submitted it as well. But it, it was one of mine too, which is the first line of book one of the Hunger Games trilogy. Ah, okay, which Go is ahead. when I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. Yeah, that's a good first it's line. Good, and what I actually really like about it is it's not outstanding. Right. It's good, but that is a that first chapter of the Hunger Games is phenomenal. We've talked about the first chapter of the Hunger yeah. Games on the show before. Yeah, yeah, she accomplishes a lot in very few pages. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Effortlessly. Yeah. So. So I had one of my favorite first lines ever is from Stephen King's The Gunslinger, uh-huh. which is the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Oh, that's good. I think that's a great yeah. line. I mean, that gives you setting, gives you two characters, a conflict, action. Yeah. And and it's it's very sparse and spare, but it, it just works perfectly. Yeah. I love it. So I'll give one more, which is probably my all-time favorite. Okay. And uh, from one of my all-time favorite books, The Western Game by uh, Ellen Raskin, uh, my twin sister and I will, as a party trick, just start reciting this because we know <laughs> almost the whole first chapter of yeah. that book by heart. Um, so it begins... The sun sets in the west. Just about everyone knows that. But sunset towers faced east. Strange. Sunset towers faced east and had no towers. This glittery, glossy apartment building stood alone on the shores of Lake Michigan. 
what I love about that whole first couple of sentences is the tone it sets for the right. book, which is just so perfectly reflected. So that's another great one. Yeah, no, that is a terrific one. So I'll go ahead and do one last one to take us home. This is sort of cheating because this is from the graphic novel Watchmen. So in addition to the first line, there's also some artwork to go with it. But still, I I think it's a great first line. Rorschach's Journal, October 12th, 1985. Dog carcass in alley this morning. Tire tread on burst stomach. Wow. This city is afraid of me. I have seen its true face. Oh, that's really good. I just think it's a great line. Yeah. It's a great line. And And one of the things that the movie did right was... Start with Start that. Start with that. Yeah. 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 Cool. So good first lines. We're still happy to keep hearing Yeah, send some. in more. Send in yeah. more. We would love to, to uh, we've we've got a couple we held in abeyance. Yeah. But we want to get some more from you guys and then we'll we'll recite some more. Yeah. So, so listen, um, real talk for a second here. It's the end of 2015. We are almost at the one year anniversary of this podcast. Uh, amazingly enough. Uh-huh. Yes. So just a a sincere thank you to everyone for listening. It's been so fun. And again, it's something we thought would last maybe a dozen weeks or so. You thought. Yes, I thought. And I'm usually right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And in all seriousness, we hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a fantastic new year. Uh, Barry did mention earlier we are going to be on hiatus next week, trying to enjoy the holidays ourselves. And we wish you well. So thanks for listening. Uh, you can visit us online at writinginreallife.com. Find us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. Um, and subscribe to us and rate us when you're on iTunes. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. See you in the new year. Mm-hmm.